Hello and welcome back or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at it from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I wanted to chat about confidentiality in our sessions with children. Children are in a unique position in regards to the information that they share in therapy. Obviously, everything that's shared in therapy is kept confidential, and as therapists, we don't share that information with anyone unless we have written permission to do so. So that's not really the focus. I mean, there is certainly moments where we do end up talking to someone. There's some there's things to talk about in regards to like if you're communicating with a teacher, like what do you share with that person and what is the aim of your contact? with that person. But for us in this podcast, or for me in this podcast, I'd rather focus more on the relationship between parents and their children in regards to confidentiality. And it's a really tricky spot, and I know of a fair amount of clinicians who all do it a little bit differently, and I think on some level it can even be situational. So parents and caregivers are technically entitled to the information that happens in therapy sessions, to session notes, and that sort of thing. But it's my perspective that if therapy is going to work, on some level, and by that I mean for a child to make the therapy theirs and to own it individually in some way, which is probably essential to their growth. I mean, I can think of children for whom that might not be the case, for whom it's genuinely pretty okay if their parents know what's going on, and maybe their parents do know everything that's going on, and maybe there's a lot of family sessions already occurring and the stuff that's talked about in session is matching with the stuff that you end up talking to the parents about in parent sessions or in family sessions and then this issue doesn't really exist so much and there are children I can think of who fall into that category and in those circumstances it's less of a nuanced conversation when you're communicating with a parent about what's going on but there are some children for whom It's very valuable to be able to have a space where they can be themselves and communicate whatever they need to communicate in play or if they share about their lives in conversation. And it's important for them that that space is protected, that for whatever reason they have things to work out on their own and their struggle is theirs, and they wouldn't benefit, say, from their parents knowing a whole lot or their caregivers knowing a whole lot about what happens, especially if they are aware that we are the ones who shared some of that communication about what happens, and then that could inhibit their ability to go to the spaces that they want or need to go to inside of themselves in order to heal. I do know some therapists who work with children and teens who uh, don't have confidentiality between the clients, the children that they see, and their caregivers who make it known that that doesn't exist. I have been pressured by parents to have that space not exist. And there's a lot of different things 
in therapy or in life where there are truly a wide variety of ways to go about something. That, especially in mental health, there are people who practice all kinds of things, both directive and non-directive and working with the unconscious and working with the conscious and focused on feelings or focused on thoughts or on attachment styles or any number of things. And a lot of them can still be effective and there's a lot of different ways to do it. And, you know, maybe for some clients, one form of therapy is more beneficial than another. But for us as therapists, it feels like people in general are at their best when they have something that they do and they know it inside and out. It's hard to be a therapist and have like five or six things that you do kind of well. There are people who are able to do that and, um, you know, bless y'all, it's, uh, it's tough. But I mentioned that there's a wide variety of ways to do things because I don't feel that way about confidentiality in children. I feel that I'm facilitating a safe space for a child when that space is confidential. And then that can be a baseline for treatment that like this is kept confidential. And then as treatment progresses, you know, I'm asking that child's permission to say things. I'm telling them what I'm, I'm going to say to their parents. I share with them that I want to talk about X, Y, and Z things. And I run it by them. And by and large, the children that I meet with say, yeah, that's fine. You can tell my mom this thing that you'd like to tell her. Like, it doesn't uh, doesn't bother me any to have that be the case. I don't know if that's child-centered necessarily, because it's, it's directive. I'm asking a question. I'm getting their opinion about something. It goes against a lot of the, the principles of what we do in terms of the space that we're creating. I'm uh, The intention there is to have the child feel powerful because they have power in this situation to have them feel respected because they are being respected to have them feel like they are an independent individual person whose stuff is valuable and hopefully that ends up being communicated which can make up for any space in the session maybe where we weren't going where they wanted to go The intention behind confidentiality is to create a safe space. And maybe this isn't true all the time. It certainly feels like it's true some of the time. And in my experience, it's almost all the time. But the reasons for not having confidentiality are based in fear or a desire for control, wherever that desire for control comes from. And I get that it's a kind of a crazy thing to say to a parent, right? Like, it's like, okay, you're bringing your child in for sessions. You're trying to ascertain whether that's a good use of your time and their time. You have brought them in to address certain things. Those things are things that are very important and maybe have gotten to a point of feeling unmanageable or at least are so stressful that it has been decided that an outside intervention is needed, you then take them to see a person who lets you know that you don't have access to what's happening inside of this time with your child who's a person that you brought into the world who might not ever have this kind of relationship 
with literally anyone. Children are, they probably don't have another relationship where anyone says to the parent, like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what, what me and Jimmy talked about or what we played, because that's Jimmy's. I don't want to put any um, animosity on people for feeling uncomfortable for, for that space, for, for having their children be inside of a confidential space. I think that can be a little scary. I don't have a child myself, and I, you know, when I think about it, it's like, well, that would be a tough ask for someone. And so if you're on the same page regarding confidentiality, it feels really important for us to go into our conversations with parents with that kind of awareness, being aware that it's not an easy thing to ask someone to do, especially if they're worried or coming at it from a place of fear. It's a lot of trust to put into another person to allow them to have that kind of space with your child. But we're worth trusting, and the space that we create is worth protecting. The space that I have the trickiest time with personally is not with setting that boundary that that is what it is and just needs to be done. There are times in a child's treatment where, let's say, a play theme is coming up again and again and again, and it becomes pretty clear based on their affect and what you hear about what's going on at home and based on what's being played out and how what's being played out is evolving that there are some pretty definite themes going on, like a theme of fear, a theme of not belonging, a theme of punishment or shame, a theme of aggression, and theme of family conflict, a theme of uh, entrapment that blended with all of the other elements start to crystallize into us feeling like we may have a handle on something in regards to this child's experience. This thing that we become in touch with is something that we also then might want to communicate to the caregivers of this child. We do that for a number of reasons. We could do that because it builds empathy to understand someone else's experience in many ways. Like to know is to love. To understand more deeply is to have more respect and connection to a person's individual reality. We can also share that because perhaps the adults in this child's world do not have that understanding of what this child is struggling with, and so it's important to be able to try to communicate this understanding to them. In that moment, when we have a thing that we know we want to communicate, and we also don't want to communicate directly what is happening, even if it, like, there there have been times when I have communicated some things that have happened in play to a parent, and it's honestly just been disruptive for me. I don't think that the the parents in these cases didn't communicate this thing back to the child, but suddenly there's this secret that's going on, and it can leave me feeling a little bit insecure about the whole thing. I feel like I violated the boundaries of what I set up, and it was done from a good place. It was done to try to provide them with deeper empathy in the people who run their lives inside of their home, but could still feel like I shouldn't have done it. When I'm at my best is when I'm able to communicate the theme in a nugget that summarizes what is happening, communicates the empathy, and is done in a way that is straightforward, and that is, you know, I'm getting on my, like, I know something about your child because I'm a therapist soapbox a little bit and saying like this is a thing that they're struggling with but I think that's a hard thing to do we have to be really trusting 
in ourselves and in our like assessment of what is happening in the playroom which like while we're in the playroom our assessment of what's happening is certainly important but there are many times when I have to consciously put it aside and just engage in what's going on and be like I can I can think about what happened later and there are other times when it feels like both of those things can be happening at the same time but often our assessment of what's happening isn't actually serving us in the moment it's not the right time for it. But in these parent sessions and outside of sessions, it is the right time. And there's a way that we can feel confident and comfortable in our ability of assessing what's going on. We can say that theme to a parent, and then we can communicate the essence of the struggle while still maintaining the integrity of the healing space through confidentiality. That's doable. And this world can be a not very respectful place for children. They, they have to submit in a number of environments. Children can not have a lot of places where they feel power and control and autonomy. But they can feel it with us, and they can feel it in their relationship with us and the relationship that we have with the other people in their lives. And I do believe that that provides children with more trust in themselves as autonomous individual people, which is what they are. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. I've updated the Patreon page. There's a tier to get bonus episodes and a tier to provide uh, or have the opportunity to provide ideas for episodes. Um, so check that out and check out all the other stuff at barnettchildtherapy.com. And yeah, I'll see you next time. Thank you.